afraid I've got some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. And the next, the low light of the program, FTR, formerly the greatest tag team in the world, and Tully Blanchard, one of the legendary heels, confront Dwarf Dong Sucker and his friend Dino Douche and Jungle Boy. And next week, we are going to be treated to a match with Dwarf Dong Sucker and Jungle Boy against FTR. Seriously. These poor guys left the WWE to prove that they were the best tag team in the world, which they are. And now they're working with a genetic defect on national television. This is a good way to ensure that no WWE talent ever again leaves that company to come onto this fucking amateur hour program at fear of the health of their own career unless they have no other choice and Vince McMahon is literally kicking them out the fucking door. Would you ever make that move after seeing what's happened to them? Yes, but let me clarify. What? I would make that move if I wanted some creative freedom and I wanted to be able to work in a good environment. How are they having creative freedom when they're working with a goddamn freak midget? Let me a finish. A piece of trailer park trash that looks like a small child little girl. Let me finish. Not that I disagree with that. But it's a better working environment. WWE is an awful place to work. It's a place that just beats you down and destroys your morale every single day. So they have that going for them. They're an AEW. A lot of guys, they have a good time working with their friends and doing this. And I have to wonder if this is, this is almost like if when Vince gets someone and he's like, okay, we got him. Now we have to humble them. They're working with Marco Stunt. Marco Stunt, who doesn't back down from anyone. He's in everyone's face. Like he's going to do anything. It's so silly. If they have that match next week. And, and, and that's, and he's allowed to get away with it. Yeah. He's allowed to get away with it because he's their little fucking mascot or pet or whatever. He's a disrespectful little shit. You can tell that because just the fact that he that he actually allows them to let him wrestle shows he's disrespectful to the business. But I we, we heard the story Dundee slapped the piss out of him, some outlaw show in Mississippi, just for doing his goofy bullshit. And look, we don't know what'll happen. Maybe it'll be something where they just completely squash him right away, get him out of there. Who we don't know. But I will say this. But just to even advertise it is insulting. Oh, it's stupid. But here's the good thing on the bright side. I've picked up lately that Marco Stunt has a little bit of that jelly Nutella thing where we were told that this guy's an indie darling, that people love him. But the more they see him on TV, the less they like him. And I think Marco's got the same thing. And a lot of even the AEW fans are sick of this guy. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I like All I know is, here's another piece of free advice to Tony Khan from a person who's worked in various companies at a high level in fucking talent relations. The way to get people to jump from an established company to your upstart company is not by making the ones that do look like complete fucking idiots and making the other talent never want to be put in that position ever. That's not the way you get people to come to your company. Big stars off the fucking WWE television now working with a Mississippi trailer park meth head midget. Fuck you. It's lots of money. It's two days every two weeks. You got your fucking pride for heaven's sake. I, I, I didn't have the pumpkin put on my head. The least they can do is not work with a fucking midget. 
And I had to tell Ole Anderson no. They've just got to tell Tony Khan no. And I'm waiting for somebody to just take Marco Stunt down and just relieve him of all his front teeth. On purpose, for real. Can we move on? Did you see that Tony Khan bought the rights to, was it Tarzan Boy by Balter, Balterama? Was that the guy's name? Baltimora. Baltimora, that's what it is. That's what Like it is. Tarzan Boy, for what? To be Jungle Boy's theme song. Oh, for fuck's sake. Seriously? So the whole building can sing all... Oh, oh, my God. Yeah, they're going to all do that together Oh, now. my God. And he had some potential, old Jungle Boy, but they buried him and he hadn't yeah, been around in a while. When was the yeah. last time we've seen FTR and Jungle Boy? FTR, great tag team. We've gone on and on about how great they are many, many times. Jungle Boy, you have put over as a great potential future star. Have they been used at all in the last... No. Month no. and a half, two months. Well, because they think that that to, to, I guess they think to have Jungle Boy on there, they've got to have the fucking goofy dinosaur and the little midget, and they don't. If they'd get Jungle Boy away from those two clowns, he would be a star. They drag him down, but they don't know how to push a star anyway. So I mean, it's a moot point. But just, and they say, people said I have fucking old fashioned taste in music. A thirty five year old fucking pop song for cool young jungle boy son of the fucking famous movie star welcome to the hoots podcast this is a podcast about life which just happens to be centered and focused around the world of professional wrestling. We tackle the topics of the week, both inside and outside of the squared circle, while also focusing on the issues that are plaguing the world today. Whether it's wrestling, sports, life, or anything in general, we've got you covered right here on the Hoots Podcast. And now, here's your host, Josh Lopez! Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 240 of the Hoots Podcast. This is yours truly, the one and only Nefarious Burner Adam, aka Joshi Lopez. You can find me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast, also on Instagram at Joshi Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. Also, check out Josh Lopez Music on Instagram as well if you want to see me do some cool guitar covers. Uh, update on that really quick I haven't been able to make some new ones recently just due, uh, due to time restraints and um, I was in the process of moving. So it's, it's been very busy on my end over the last couple of weeks, but don't forget, I am going to start um, recording some new covers uh, in the coming weeks once I get this office situated and stuff like that. But I uh, just want to say thank all of you for the support. Thank, thanks to each and every single one of you who listens to the Hoots podcast each and every single week. It comes to you free of charge on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Uh, like I said, make sure to hit me up on social media if you like. Uh, if you guys can do me a big favor, two things, actually. Number one, bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And secondly, uh, make sure to leave us a four- or five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
It helps expand the reach of the show, and I want to get your guys' thoughts positively or negatively on what we could improve on or what you like about the Who's Podcast. Hope you guys like the new intro that Brother Carter cooked up. Um, he's been uh, grinding, trying to add some new elements to the podcast as we head towards 2021 here. And um, you'll hear the thoughts of Derek later on in the show. Of course, we got our infamous What the Hell is Wrong with AEW segment, which I'm looking forward to recording later on uh, today, and um, right now, um, I mentioned this last week, um, I had this cool deal, like, every Thursday's record day, right, and Thursday, I like to share half of the show with you guys on uh, Facebook, because uh, the Good Birds Q&A session is a very important part of what the Who's Podcast is and what it represents, and... I want to share that guy. I want to share that segment with you guys, and then you guys can hear my breakdowns of the weekly shows later on in the audio form. So, all that being said, man, I'm ready to rock and roll. Are you guys ready to rock and roll? I think I think we're all ready to rock and roll. Uh, before we get started here, I do want to say that I'm introducing a new kind of intro clip for this segment. Brett Carter cooked it up. I listened to it this morning. I, I really dig it. I think you guys will like it as well. So bear with me. This is the new intro for our one of our signature segments known as the Good Brothers Q&A session right here on the Hoots Podcast. <laughs> And now it's time for the Good Brothers Q&A Session. We take your questions about wrestling, sports, life, and anything at all, and give you all of the information that you have been dying to know. Submit your questions weekly to Josh Lopez at thehootspodcast at gmail.com or any of our social media platforms. And now, on with the questions! Uh, time for this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q&A session. All you have to do is basically, all you have to do is basically um, uh, send us a question at the Hoots Podcast. You can find me at Twitter, like I said, at Twitter, uh, at the Hoots Podcast. Or you can email me a question at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. That's basically how this segment works. Um, I like to say that, you know, we do the segment for you, and um, tr- this the the charm of this segment is the fact that we could hit on a lot of different topics as the show goes on, and um, you know sometimes we don't have enough time to talk about maybe something that's going on in New Japan or Impact or sports or whatever. I really take this time to interact with our most passionate and dedicated good brothers of the show. And they sent great questions like Nate the Great and Chris Aletta. I got questions this week from the good brother Sam Piopo. Make sure to check out his podcast, Second City Sam's Hot Takes. It's a damn good show. And I, I tell you, man, you're not going to regret listening to that show. Um, I'll tell you right now, man, there's, there's a lot to get into right now. So uh, there's a lot of questions I got this week. And we're going to start off with the good brother Chris Aletta at X. Team Zaletta 24X, that's him on Twitter. He says, What's up, Boost? Here's some questions for the QA this week. Have you had any 
mental days off during this pandemic? And if so, what has gotten you through it? Man, we're starting off with the depression question right off the bat. God damn, pal. Um, I don't know if I um, really believe in having mental days off. Um, As someone who does deal with depression, it's just something that you just can't run from it. I mentioned it last week. It's something that you deal with. It's something that's in you, and you just have to figure out how you're going to go about it when obstacles are coming away, how you're going to push through adversity. So I don't have a set day where I need to, like, detox and shut everything out because usually I'm working every day. <laughs> um, I, I usually have, like, an article I type out nearly six days a week now. And um, I like to say Sunday is kind of like my relaxed day. But even then, Sundays are also pay-per-view days sometimes. So I really don't have enough time to actually have a mental day off. I wish I could, but I don't. Did Brooklyn make a mistake with James Harden trade? Uh, yes, and yes, yes, and yes. Uh, You've sent me this question before about James Harden, and my stance on him has not changed. And I mentioned this on Facebook yesterday. The Brooklyn Nets have now become the home of head cases. And I feel bad for their fans because we got three egomaniacs joining forces to essentially do what? Right? Like, what's the purpose of these three's com- these three coming together? You get rid of uh, Jared, Jared Allen. You get rid of Carius uh, LeVert. You get rid of uh, your mortgaging, your future of draft picks for three guys that are over their 30s. And guys that are, I'm not saying they're not in their prime of their careers, but I, it, it's like having Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Joe Johnson on uh, Brooklyn when they had that shitty trade with the Celtics years ago. And it's like, I mean, more power to you. Um, sure, Brooklyn and Lakers in the NBA Finals. I mean, that'd be really, really interesting, but... You got Kyrie Irving, who's in another dimension, a guy who thinks the earth is flat. You got Kevin Durant, who's uh, a guy who made his own burner account because he was tired of people talking shit about him. And then you got James Harden, who's in his feelings, but he's a guy who never shows up in the playoffs. So I just don't get how James Harden goes from reuniting with Russell Westbrook in the playoffs last year and not doing nothing to reuniting with another Thunder teammate, and we're so supposed to uh, suspect that the that's just going to run away with the NBA Finals this year? I don't. And this is one of the reasons why I can't stand the modern NBA. It's it's, it's unwatchable. I There's some players I like, but just the competitive spirit of the NBA is just not there for me to enjoy. So, next question. How many more national championships can Nick Saban win before t- retiring? God. How old is Nick Saban in the first place? That's the first thing I, I want to know. <laughs> like, how old is he? I don't know. Maybe like two or three more. I mean, Alabama's obviously the top college football institution over the last 15, 20 years. So, I'm not surprised that they keep reappearing at these national championship games. So, 
Um, I'd probably say two or three. It just depends on how long, how much longer he still wants to coach. Do you think we'll see the Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson trade this offseason? I think I just think Seattle as a team is at a crossroads. Here's the thing: didn't like Pete Carroll got a contract extension last week? Uh, no, last season, if I'm not mistaken. Like, didn't Pete Carroll have like a big contract extension with the Seahawks? They gotta do something, man. Because you know, it's one thing to look great in the regular season, but this is not the first time where the Seahawks' offenses went MIA during a big playoff game. Like, obviously, I'm not one to throw stones. I'm a Bears fan. We all get what's going on over there, but like. To watch the playoffs every year, I mean, every year I hear about the Seahawks being this like unstoppable force. They're going to be uh, a, a problem in the playoffs, and and they just don't show up. I <laughs> uh, the Rams, I, I, the the Seahawks lost to the Rams with Jared Goff coming back from the bench, and just there comes to a point where you need to ask Russell Wilson, do you just want to be like Derek Jeter and be stuck with the Seahawks? And I'm not saying they're not a good organization because they are, but also does Russell Wilson see more out of himself and wants to have more rings? I mean, the last time the Seahawks won a Super Bowl, um, I was 19 years old. Uh, it's been seven years now. So, you just got to wonder for Russell Wilson himself, like, what is he getting out of just staying with the same team over and over and over again? Yeah, DK Metcalf is a good receiver, but Tyler Lockett's going to retire in a couple of seasons. Um, Chris Carson is, meh. The defense is nowhere to be found. Their offensive line is hot garbage. Um, I would like to see Russell Wilson be traded for him, um, as far as Deshaun Watson's concerned, I really don't care what happens with him or Houston, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, Houston is just not a good football organization. And again, I'm not going to put Deshaun Watson on a pedestal and act like he's a God's gift to quarterback just because he was good in college. Like, show me more in the playoffs and then I'll start buying into the hype about Deshaun Watson being a uh, no question franchise quarterback. That's just my opinion. You guys can agree or disagree with that, but I, I don't buy the hype and propaganda surrounding Deshaun Watson. And any of you could figure out that Deshaun Watson was not going to work well with Houston because when's the last time a top-drafted quarterback in Houston's ever worked? Like, honestly, it's, it's a dumb organization. Do you see Grills of Destiny ever stepping out of New Japan? That's a good question. I, I, I maybe if they wanted to, but at the same time, I don't think they have to. Um, I like the fact where you have certain performers where they do want to be with certain promotion. Now, this is different from uh, wrestling and what I was just talking about with uh, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, because. We're talking about entertainment. We're talking about wrestling companies. This is a totally different dynamic to sports. Okay, yeah. Can you say, hey, um, 
so and so would it be a better fit in AEW than WWE? Sure, but you don't know if that's always going to be the case. And God knows, <laughs> you know how I feel when it comes to WWE towns that go to AEW. Look at Miro. Is he bigger now than he was with the WWE? Like, honestly, come on. <laughs> uh, so I don't think they need to step out, but if they want to, I I, I wouldn't be against it. They're they're a very good tag team. All right. How much longer does Rhea Ripley stay in NXT? Is there anything else left for her to do? Oh, by the way, <laughs> shout out to the good brother Sam Piopo. Uh Yes. Literally, they had David Carr, Matt Schaub. Uh, you remember they traded draft picks for Brock Osweiler. Uh, it, it's just Houston's a fucking trash organization. Like, <laughs> I, like I, 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 I listen to sports radio and you think that the Bears are the worst thing ever. And yeah, they make a lot of dumb mistakes, but just look with some context sometimes and realize how dumb some of these NFL teams are. Um, all right, go back to Rhea Ripley question. Honestly, Chris, I would be surprised if Rhea Ripley is not on either Raw or SmackDown by WrestleMania or after WrestleMania. I don't, there's no, there's nothing else for her to do in NXT in my opinion. So, Sooner or later, she has to be on Raw or SmackDown. So that's that's just my opinion. Um, who do you think will win the Men's Dusty Classic? Oh, this is an easy question. I'm going to give a shout-out to my boys from uh, the UK, uh, NXT UK. Grizzled young veteran, soon to be recognized at the world's number one. I tell you, man, if people put the young bucks on the pedestal. Grizzled young veterans are... 10 times a tag team than Young Bucks. And I don't care if you get in your feelings about that. That's just a pure fact. Zach Gibson is one of the best heels in wrestling. It's a goddamn shame we're in a pandemic because I miss those goddamn, if you hate Gibson, shoes off. If you hate Gibson, shoes off. (laughs) Like, I miss those chants so much. How can you not like the Grizzled Young Veterans? Like, honestly, they're awesome. Oh, man. Last question from Chris. He says, this has been a discussion lately. Where do you think Kurt Agle had a better run, WWE or TNA? Well, I was in and out in TNA when he was there. Um, his light, later run with TNA was really, like, sloppy. And this is when he was getting, like, arrested and having the DUIs and stuff like that. So, that's very hard to say. And plus... I am a product of the the attitude era. I started watching wrestling in 1998, so seeing Kurt Angle during that time meant a lot to me. So it's hard, but I'm not to say that Kurt Angle did not have a amazing run when he first started TNA, and he had some classic matches there. It's a really hard question, and um, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to be honest with you. But uh, for me. I, I'd probably say for uh, for him being the better run with WWE, just for the fact with, with his background and how he adapted in that era with so many stars, with him having that lack of experience and making himself on the same level as a Rock and Austin during that time period or a Triple H and The Undertaker and stuff like that, you, you just can't beat that. Like, Kurt Angle, I'm glad that he had a chip on his shoulder and he had awesome bar burns with TNA, but... Business-wise, him with TNA did not change the trajectory of that company, unfortunately. So I say better run is with WWE because he 
was the fastest rising star for a guy that's not from the territory system. And a guy who was also able to adapt to being a good guy and a bad guy. So I think he had a better run in WWE. Um, great questions, though, Chris. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, we're going to go to the next question. So uh, we give a shout out to the good brother, uh, Sam Piopo at Sexy Sam, by the way. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. He's fucking hilarious. Um, <laughs> if any, where do you think the White Sox still need improvements? Bench. Bench, bench, and bench. And that's pretty much it because. Now we're getting to the point where, yeah, the White Sox are getting a lot of buzz from the media, and they're making a lot of cool moves, and I was happy to see that they got Liam Hendricks from the Oakland A's. I thought that was awesome. But now is where you got to really look into your depth, and they have a really... The good thing about the White Sox, it still doesn't get talked about enough, is the fact that they still have a really good far system even with a lot of the new guys that came to the team last season. And, you know, whether it's Andrew Vaughn or um, Jake Berger or whoever's down the pipeline that's going to come up here sooner or later, or Sessimus' uh, brother is with the White Sox now. Um, I think right now it's really looking to who, who can help out with your bench. They really... They really don't need anything else as far as hitting is concerned, as far as, like, major starters hitting-wise. I mean, uh, Adam Eden coming back is, is what it is, but he, had, he has postseason experience, so I understand why he uh, came back to the team. But anything as far as major improvements, I have to say bench uh, depth for offense. And if you could snag one more starter, if you could last minute, uh, give it a shot. Just don't just don't trade people or bring somebody in for another James Shields experience because I don't need to go through that again. Please, <laughs> that's that's all I want. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. Please. <laughs> do you miss John Cena? Yes, I do miss John Cena. Um, I saw a John Cena commercial during a Bears game. I'm like, look at this motherfucker. This dude's just making. Gazillions of dollars, having movies out of the ass, uh, he just got married. Good for you, John Cena. You're living a good life. But yes, I miss seeing John Cena. Do you ever see Pete Dunne as a WWE champion? Oh, abs absolutely. Drew McIntyre will not be the only British star to be, be a WWE champion. Pete Dunne will become a WWE champion one day. Who has, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Who has the worst fan base in the United States? Oh, man, Sam. <laughs> I think you know my answer with this. You should know this as well. It's the goddamn Philadelphia Eagles. A cesspool of mouth breeders and nimrods and scallywags and hooly hoops. I'm sorry, Mitchell McMill. I, I, I appreciate you, good brother. No, don't be towards you, but the Eagles have the worst fan base in the United States, and it's not even close. Hell, just to be fair, I'll throw our Chicago Bears in that equation, too, because we don't know what the fuck we want with our football team. 
And if you want evidence of that, make sure you listen to Chicago Sports Radio and you'll understand why I say that. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's the Eagles. They got the worst fan base in sports. It's not close. Philly is trash. Uh, hashtag it to the cows go home. Philly is god-awful. I can't stand their sports fans. They are the worst. Um, all right. Favorite type of... Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, damn. This this question popped me. Favorite type of cake or pie? Holy shit. Uh, well, pie... Uh, mm, Poutine pie. There you go. Uh, as far as cake, I like uh, Reese's um, Cheesecake from um, Cheesecake Factory. It's very good. I'll tell you that. Thanks for the question, Sam. I really, pre- I really like these ones. <laughs> Honestly, though, if you guys have any, like, the Reese Cup um, Cheesecake from Cheesecake Factory, it's, it's, it's awesome. Uh, let's see. Okay, we got a big batch of questions here from Nate the Great. This is going to be our last part of the uh, segment here. All right. Make sure you follow Nate, by the way, at Twitter at PsychoNagiri. I'm going to take a t- uh, quick swig of water really quick. <clears throat> What are two realistic dream matches you'd like to see? I don't know if I'd call this a dream match, but i like to see Triple H against AJ Styles. I think that would be a good one. I'd say... If there's a different a promotion, I'd like to see... Uh... I really don't like picking stuff from AEW. I really don't. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I know a lot of you think AEW is the greatest thing ever, but um, I'll stick with WWE with this portion. I I, I would really like to see um, what it would be like with Punk and Roman Reigns with this dynamic. With Punk being the baby face and Roman Reigns doing his tribal chief shtick, I think it would be really cool. Oh, Where's your happy place? This is an interesting question. My happy place is Oviedo, Florida. Um, nothing else needs to be said after that. All right. Super hypothetical. But if every wrestling company joined together to be one, who do you think would be the top champion? Who would you make the top champion? Oh, that's easy. It's a tribal chief. <laughs> if, we're, if we're having all companies in one, right? And they're all together. You have to have the top guy in the business as the champion. There's no way in God's green earth I'm putting the title on Cosplay Stone Cold. I'm definitely not giving the title to Cody Rhodes. I'm definitely not giving the title to Kenny Olivier. Hell no. It's the Tribal Chief, and it's not even close. Are you... Okay, okay, if you want to throw in... Okay... Drew McIntyre or Finn Balor or Adam Cole or hell, even a Brian Cage or somebody else around the world, I, I would get that. Jay White, Okada, Naito, I-, I would I would understand that. But let's be real, guys. It's the Tribal Chief. <laughs> it, it, you can't be the Tribal Chief pro wrestling and then oh, I'm just, we're gonna have Roman in the mid card if all these wrestling companies join together. No way. Who's better? Brett, who's better? If I could talk, uh, Bret Hart or HBK, and why? 
Uh, shout out to my good brother, uh, Stat Guy Greg from the Cheap Heat Podcast. He's going to appreciate my answer. Uh, my answer is Bret Hart because Bret Hart is one of the greatest pure technical wrestlers of all time. I love the entrance. I loved what he did as a baby face. And Bret Hart, in my opinion, is better than Shawn Michaels. Um, not to take any slight towards Shawn because I like Shawn Michaels too, but I think Bret is better than Shawn Michaels. Uh, who is the biggest attraction in wrestling today in all time? Mm, let's see. Biggest attraction in wrestling today? It's not Goldberg. <laughs> see, I got you there. Um, biggest attraction. It's sure as hell ain't Sting. <laughs> um... I'll probably say biggest attraction was The Undertaker before he did the whole retirement thing. I'd say right now it's Triple H. <laughs> uh, I, I can't say any of the current guys because it's hard to gauge that with no fans in the crowd and, and fans in the arenas and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to really say who's the biggest attraction in wrestling today. But all time, definitely The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, um... The list goes on and on. Ric Flair. Um, but, by the way, seeing Ric Flair doing the Space Mountain gimmick stuff on Raw has been really funny the last couple of days. I, I don't blame you, man. When you got classy waterfall right in front of you, why are you going to say no? Hell, I wish I could go to Florida if Lacey Evans was offering herself to me. Shit. Like, come on. Why would you say no to that? <laughs> okay. How do you think Impact could improve to get more viewers? Well, um, they made one uh, step towards that progress, and that's kicking Josh Matthews off of commentary. Uh, he's the worst commentator in all professional wrestling, so I'm glad he's off the booth, and uh, Matt Streck will be taking his place with Impact, so that's a good start there. Secondly, Stop with these bad ECW retread gimmicks and stop putting so much emphasis on Rhino and Tommy Dreamer every fucking week. Um, what else? Let's see. I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I, we'll get into this with the whole AEW thing later on, but honestly, I know a lot of people are like excited with this whole AEW TNA partnership, but honestly, has. Anything really changed business-wise with both of them since they joined forces with each other? What, you got 200,000 more clicks from observer readers? Like, has anything really changed since these two partnered up with each other? Uh, what are three things that bring you joy and three things that cause you stress the most? Oh, that's a good question. Well, three things that bring me joy is music... Wrestling and sports. Three things that cause me stress is myself, myself, and myself. I'm, I'm my own worst enemy, and a lot of stuff that you would think I would pick out, like little stupid semantical stuff that would bother me, would be on that list. But I think myself is a uh, thing that stresses me, stress myself out because honestly. We're all a reflection of what we tap in our energy in. Like, because if you look at it, for me, I could put out a bunch of stuff about 
oh, people being flaky and people talking about both sides of their ass and people that have the courage to stay true to themselves because they feel like they have to be validated by other people. Like, they're all intertwined into one particular thing and it's all semantical too at the end of the day because you are choosing to expend energy on the opinions of other people that really don't matter at the end of the day. So I look at this as, you know, I'll tell you right now, like, for me, I I do more damage to myself than um, me worrying about, oh, this happened, that happened, blah, 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 blah. That's, a, that's what I was going back with depression, you know. Shit's real, man. <laughs> and um, for me, I just look at it like I have my three escapes and that keeps me happy. You know, I got my own place now. I've started the next chapter of my life. I'm in a really good spot right now. But, you know, your boy's been through a lot. And I don't talk about this stuff on here for to have people feel sorry for me. This is this is real. We, you hear in the intro of the podcast, uh, we have nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide or be ashamed of. I've learned and grown from a lot of things and a lot of things that came to my way over the last couple of years. And, you know, it's it's really one thing to keep smiling when you have your heart fractured. And I had my heart fractured last year. And, you know, I took a risk. I went to go meet somebody's family. I thought that was going to be good enough. I thought I met my future wife. And then, bloop, shit hit the fan, you know. Uh, but that's life. Uh, what are you going to do about it? You know, I think being the brings me joy with the fact that I have music and wrestling and sports in my life is the fact that I am driven in what I do with my career. I want to be on ESB 1000. I want to be a producer for Cap and Hoodie show. I want to be working at radio stations. It's the scores loss that they've brought me in for multiple interviews for the same position, yet they have never hired me yet. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> but it still drives me. I'm still driven to do a lot more things than I'm doing right now. I'm very happy with the success of where this podcast is at. I'm, ex- I'm excited where the transcripts are going. I have really nothing to complain about. Um, but we all deal with self-doubt, and that's my biggest ailment. You know, so I don't have three particular things that bothers me. Self-doubt is the biggest thing that I deal with, and I'm not alone with that. But at the, at the end of the day, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm really good, man. Like, I'm happy. I'm just excited to get better every day. You know, to come on here and try to do better each week with the shows is very important to me. And, you know, the fact that you guys take time out of your day to send these questions really means a lot to me. It shows that you guys care about what I have to say. Uh, with this wrestling stuff, it means a lot. So I appreciate all of you who take the time to listen to the show or watch it here on Facebook because this is a, a escape for me and this is therapy for me. This is for me to clear my mind for whatever bad energy is inside my head. And I could be myself, you know. <laughs> you know, the, the great thing about doing a podcast is this is a place where you can set free. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks or says about you because this is my show. This is my voice and this is my fucking deal. And I'm proud of what this show represents. So there's not a lot of things to stress me out because at the end of the day, it's just wasted energy. Stop tapping into wasted energy. People are going to be flaky. Family members are going to be flaky towards you, friends, etc. It's just, it is what it is. So, I appreciate the question, uh, question, I really do. Um, 
Do you think there's too many tag team matches in wrestling today? Tag wrestling is great, but there's definitely an oversaturation right now. I don't think there's too many tag team matches. There's one trend that I have been noticing, though, in a lot of shows. It's not just AEW or WWE. This has happened a lot. I am kind of being... I'm kind of, I'm kind of over the tag matches where we just have a sloppy pre-match or post-match brawl, you know? Like, I get it. Sometimes heels want to get advantage for a tag match starts, but it's being over them, especially on television. It just and Plus, the bras look the same, too, you know? <laughs> all the time. They look the same all the time, bro. Like, uh, So, I don't think there's too many tag team matches. The problem is, the tag team matches are rarely special because they're all formatted the same. That's the problem. So... Uh, will Undisputed Era win any more titles while they're on, while they're still on NXT? Oh, man. Maybe one more tag team title run, but I do not see Adam Cole becoming an NXT champion again. And just like I was mentioned earlier with Rhea Ripley, there's really nothing else left for the Undisputed Era to do, um, in NXT. So, I, I'd probably say leaning towards no. But I wouldn't be surprised if they won the Dusty Cup and won the taxi titles. But still, it's um, something in the air. I mean, honestly, there are important cod to the NC brand. Honestly, that's why they're on TV. And um, we'll see what happens with them. But um, awesome questions. I really appreciate you guys. Um, as always, if you guys ever want to send me questions, all you have to do is to hit me up on Twitter at the Who's Podcast. You can send me an email at the Who's Podcast at gmail.com. Um, I always open the questions. You guys ask me questions here on Facebook as well as I record these on Thursdays. And um, I appreciate the support, everybody. Uh, we got a lot more stuff to get to, a lot more fun to get to with the Who's Podcast this week. But don't forget, uh, we got What the Hell is Wrong with AEW, got WWE Talk in a couple minutes. And this is a lot of more fun stuff to get into. So uh, I want to thank you guys so much for uh, checking out this week's edition of the Good Brothers Q&A. And we'll talk to you guys later. Yes, sir. Back here on the Who's Podcast. Time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Uh, looking back at uh, SmackDown last weekend. Um, you know, it's one thing to really say when you think like you're a smart marker, you're like, do you think you're really into with what's going on with the product? And then something goes down on SmackDown and you just reveal that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I think last Friday was a pure example of that because, boy, oh boy, if you saw the reaction towards Adam Pearce winning the gauntlet match, you would be really surprised with the people who think they know wrestling and the people that don't. And when it comes to processing story development and character development, all you want to talk about that, there's a lot of buzzwords that go into wrestling today that are not used properly on social media. And I don't think people are really processing the shows the right way. Um, you know, let's look at what happened with SmackDown and start off with Roman Reigns calling out Adam Pearce and reminding Adam Pearce that this is his show. This is his island. And he picks his opponents, not Adam Pierce. Roman had an issue with Kevin Owens continuing to butt his nose into his business, and Roman was done with him, and Adam Pierce forced his cousin into having a match with Kevin Owens last week, uh, the week prior, actually. And Roman 
took matters in his own hands, and yeah, he cost Nakamura the chance for a shot at the Universal title. But it also shows you another thing. Booking is not a ultimate predicator on what's going to be good for a performer or not. Because what they did with Nakamura in one night just got him back into relevancy and where you wanted him to be as a character, right? And you look at Nakamura... And it's not always about wins and losses. And you have, if you have that spotlight on you and you maximize your TV time, that's what happens. And, yeah, would you like to see more for Nakamura and have him have multiple title raises in WWE? Sure. But right now, with what happened with Nakamura and Roman Reigns, did more good for Nakamura than bad. And what about what happened with Roman Reigns and Ed Pierce did not make sense? Roman does things on his own terms. He picks his opponents. He handled his business. So uh, that's why I put in the article, the tribal the tribal gauntlet match, because that's what it was. <laughs> so I thought that was very interesting. By the way, speaking of interesting, if you guys haven't seen Bailey's um, Broken Skull Sessions episode with Stone Cold Steve Boston, it's really good. I recommend you guys go check it out. Um, what else stood out to me really quick for SmackDown? Oh, Big E and Apollo Crews. Um, they had their matchup for the Intercontinental Championship on SmackDown. Very good match. Uh, Big E retained. It got very physical, too, during the match. And, um, uh, Apollo Crews eventually lost, but he was very distraught. And he had a very interesting appearance on Talking Smack with Paul Heyman. And I wanted to play that clip for you guys right now. Come over to your house, kick down your front door, take the food off 
but that's how he views you. But you're trying to take, forcibly take the Intercontinental title away from him. Take away his dreams, his glory. Only one of you are going to walk out of that ring as the Intercontinental Champion. Someone has to be a winner, and someone has to be a loser. And tonight, whether you like it or not, your children know in their hearts, my father was the loser in a match, and I know you, and you're not a loser. You're a winner. You're a champion. And in my mind, you're every bit as much the champion as Big E is. You have every right to claim to be the Intercontinental Champion because you pinned his shoulders to the mat and you let that go because you're a nice guy. You're not here to make friends. You're here to make money. You're here to stake your claim of greatness. You're here for the glory and to build a legacy that lives on to your children and your grandchildren and for generations to come. You want my honest advice? You want some free counsel from someone who can pay a lot of money for his special counsel? Here's what I have to say to you. When I say this, it won't sound respectful, but it is respectful. You're sitting here just another wannabe challenger or pretender to Vicky's throne. Leave here. Just another wannabe challenger or pretender to the throne. Come back here in a couple weeks with the title like a man. Boa, boy, boy. <laughs> man, that was awesome, right? What Paul Heyman's done on Talking Smack cannot be understood. What he's done for guys like Big E and Apollo Crews and other guys in the roster, Kevin Owens as well, cannot be understated. Uh, it's been really good interaction and dialogue on Talking Smack. I mean, I could do a little bit without Caleb Braxton stammering during the entire fucking show and uh, not... I don't know she just is not genuine with how she conducts herself on air, but she just, I don't know if it's a nervous tick or something, but it's something off of there because she's like free and bubbly on the bump, but I don't know, maybe she's thinking too much while she's uh, going through the show, but I don't know. But Talk Smack's a lot of fun to watch, especially for uh, Paul Heyman. And um, yeah, I thought, I thought that segment with... With every uh, everything with Paul Heyman does in Talks Man is fantastic, and that that right there with Paul Cruz was no exception. So, really enjoyed that. I thought SmackDown was pretty solid this week. Also, don't forget, we also got um, <laughs> we got Monday Night Raw to talk about. We had uh, some fortunate news come down. We heard that Drew McIntyre got uh, got tested positive for COVID nineteen, and I want to send my thoughts out to Drew, and I hope he has a speedy recovery, and um, hopefully nothing too bad uh, It's on his end. But Drew McIntyre did appear on Raw, and Drew McIntyre did accept Goldberg's challenge on Monday Night Raw. And here is what Drew McIntyre had to say to Goldberg. Goldberg. 
didn't see that coming. One of the most devastating, destructive forces in WWE history. One of my personal favorites, my add. I'll admit it. My brother and I were young. We used to love tuning in each and every week to see who Goldberg was getting mauled that week. Whatever idiot was stupid enough to get in this path. I may have been a little bit starstruck as I watched you part the seas of legends and step into that ring. As the old expression goes, never meet your heroes in person because they will always let you down. I hate to say this, Bill, because I so want to like you, respect you, admire you, but you let me down and you let your own legacy down as well. You put words into my mouth that I didn't even see. And you said that didn't even matter if I said it because I was thinking it. How would you know what I was thinking, Bill? You got me all wrong. I'm a firm believer in giving respect to get respect. That's what a true WWE champion does. You don't know anything about being WWE champion, do you, Billy? No. It is the most prestigious title there is, and it has eluded you your entire career. That's why you challenged me. I respect for you, Goldberg. I didn't want to accept your challenge. You're 20 years older than me. I didn't want to accept your challenge. You challenging me, that's like you challenging yourself in your prime. Would you honestly want to fight yourself in your prime? But then, my opinion changed when you put your hands on me. Seems like you're the one that needs a lesson in respect, though. If that's what you want, you can try to get it at the Royal Rumble. Just Goldberg. I accept your challenge. And in your own words, the Royal Rumble. You're next. So we will have Drew McIntyre and Goldberg at the Royal Rumble for the WWE title. We'll see what goes down on that show. Um, I'm just going to say really quick, uh, look at Raw, like, yeah, uh, a couple guys doing double duty. There was like a fortune breakout with the coronavirus, so a couple guys were unable to make the show. So a couple guys had to do double duty, like Jeff Hardy had a couple matches. Uh, Keith Lee and Sheamus had a really good match with The Miz and John Morrison, and then they started fighting with each other at the commercial break, which I thought was pretty funny. I thought that was good. Uh, Bobby Lashley made quick work of Matt Riddle, who, as I refer to now, is Stoner Jar Jar Binks. Um, also, uh, on the program, we saw um, the return of Triple H and going on with Randy Orton. Uh, kind of similar scenario to a couple weeks ago where Alexa Bliss uh, challenged Randy Orton to the ring. All this led up to Alexa Bliss making a return and throwing a fireball into Randy Orton's face. So uh, things are far from over between... Uh, Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss. So, some pretty solid stuff on uh, Raw this week as well. Uh, I think my favorite WWE show this week was NXT. Um, just a really strong episode last night, especially with the the start of the Dusty Cup. Uh, we have the um, debut of MSK, Nash Carter, and Wesley Lee, a.k.a. Zachary Wentz, and Destin Xavier, the Rascals made their NXT debut last night, and it was really nice to see those guys. They did a fantastic job. Uh, good to see my guys, the grizzled young veterans, uh, beat another team that I enjoy, Ever-Rise. Um, You know, we had Candice LeRae had a really good match with Chauncey Blackheart to start the show. 
Uh, Johnny Gargano against Dexter Loomis. I got to tell you, man, I really like the way. <laughs> um, you look at um, Cancer Ray and Johnny Gargano, they're kind of like the measuring stick in NXT. And I just really like what they do as heels. And uh, Indy Hartwell and Austin Theory get a good rub with working with those two guys, two, uh, working with that couple. And um, I, I really like the way. I want to wrap up this week in WWE with talking about this really quick. The hate that Charlotte Flair gets is absolutely grade-A homogenized Holstein Tropicana Field bullshit. When I'll, This is all I'm going to say about this. And you can agree or disagree, that's fine. But this is my opinion and this is my show. You look at Charlotte Flair... And you look at her as the measuring stick of the women's division on Raw and SmackDown. And say what you want. Say that she wins so much. Say that she's always a talent pitcher. Say anything about her dad. Yada, yada, yada. When you're the measuring stick, you're just going to have people that's going to try to bring you down and talk shit about you. That's that's what it is. That article that Daily DDT put out was just another example why a lot of these wrestling websites are just nonsense and just a waste of time and do no service to the wrestling business so yeah get on your soapboxes about booking because you have all the answers to booking right like you you've booked the wrestling promotion before you booked the territory you were responsible for setting up a format you were responsible for having finishes go over right or wrong on television show you're responsible for uh, paying talents to get to a show like you have all the answers to the wrestling business right all these booking experts you know the one thing with me with this podcast is I'm not going to talk about booking. When I critique AEW, I critique the wrestling in the ring. That's the difference, okay? I don't care about booking. I never had cared about booking. But we as a fan base have been so bogged down into this bunker mentality where the only thing that matters in wrestling is creative. Really? <laughs> When I was watching wrestling in 1998, I didn't even know who Vince Russo was or Ed Ferrara because I didn't need to. I didn't have to. This fascination over the last 15, 20 years about, oh, we got to know about booking and who's the favorite of this guy, who's not the favorite of that. Like, who cares? And then you take your booking frustrations out on Charlotte Flair. Why? Because she's that good? She's that fucking hot? She's that talented in the ring, okay? Like it, it's a bad thing for her that she's capitalizing on her talents. It's a bad thing for her that she's the best female wrestler in the world. Like we can have we can have disagreements. I, I I don't say that Sasha Banks is not a draw or a major superstar because she is. Charlotte's on the same. Uh, Sasha's on the same level as Charlotte. Now I think Charlotte's a better wrestler than Sasha. But that doesn't diminish anything that I see with Sasha Banks. If anything, it's a, a good thing when you have Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Charlotte Flair and Bayley in your women's division as your pillars and your marquee stars. That's a good thing. I don't know why we have to have this clashing thing where we have to bring down Charlotte just to elevate Sasha or whoever. Like, I always said that Becky was my personal favorite as a fan of the Four Horsewomen and her... Uh, run as the man kind of testified that but also at the same time 
I can be objective with all the shows that I cover and say that when it comes to in the ring and just pure presence and presentation, Charlotte Flair is the measuring stick of women's wrestling in the WWE. And it's not close. And I like Sasha Banks. But I think Charlotte is a better wrestler. But that does not mean that I don't think Charlotte. That that does not mean that I think that Sasha is not on Charlotte's level as far as drawing ability or being a superstar or anything like that. But the hate that Charlotte gets on social media is fucking ridiculous. To be honest with you guys, it really is. So that's my thoughts on this week in WWE. When I come back, I'll make some uh, predictions and preview what's going to go down this Saturday night. In Nashville, as we got Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill pay-per-view coming up. And, and we'll talk about that in a couple minutes right here on the Hoots Podcast. Back here on the Hoots Podcast, after a quick water break, ready to uh, preview uh, what's going to go down this Saturday night in Nashville for uh, Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill pay-per-view, their first major pay-per-view of the year. Uh, they had an Impact Plus uh, special event last Saturday called Genesis, which uh, crowned a new Super X Cup uh, champion in Ace Austin. Nice to check that uh, show out on Saturday night. I will be covering this event on Saturday night on ProWrestlingTranscription.com, so make sure to bookmark the website right now. Let's go run down the card really quick, and then we'll get to what everybody's been waiting for. Uh, but I want to run, run, run down the card for this event. It's, it should be a really fun show. Uh, but we got... Um, Josh Alexander against uh, have Josh Alexander against Brian Myers. Um, that's going to be on the Countdown to Heart to Kill show on Access TV. So that'll be a dark match for that event. Um, first match here, we got Matt versus Chris Bay versus Rohi Raju in a triple threat match for the X Division title. I'm going to go with Chris Bay to become the champion. I got we got Jessica Havoc against not Jessica Havoc and Nevaeh against Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles uh, for the vacated knockout tag team titles. I think Kira Hogan and Tasha Steeles will win. Eric Young, Joe Doring, and Cody Deaner against Tommy Dreener, Rhino, Cousin Jake in an old school rules match. This is gonna be a barn burner uh, of weapons and destruction, but I think Eric Young will win this match. Uh, to Neil Dashwood and Kayla Conley against Rosemary and Crazy Steve, I got I got uh, to Neil Dashwood winning. Um, Ethan Page against Karate Man, no comment on that match. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Edwards against Sammy Callahan in the Barbed Wire Massacre match. My God, I can't even imagine what these two are gonna do to each other. Man, picture putting yourself through Barbed Wire with no crowd there. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go. Oh, man. I'm probably going to go with Sammy Callahan this one. I would not be surprised if uh, Cam Shamrock gets involved. But, hey, don't be surprised if Eddie wins either. Uh, Deanna Prazo against Ty Valkyrie for the Impact Knockout title. I'm going to go with Deanna to retain. But I think Ty should leave Impact and go to WWE. That's my opinion. Kenny, o- Kenny Olivier and the Good Brothers. With Don Callis taking on Rich Swan in the Moore City Machine Guns in a six-man tag. I got uh, Kenny Olivier and the Good Brothers winning, unfortunately. Um, I just hope it doesn't make Rich Swan look too bad. The poor guy's getting 
toss it the back burner for this whole AWT uh, Impact partnership, and it's, it really sucks because Rich Swan's a good champion. But uh, Kenny Olivier and the Good Brothers will win because Impact is just clinging out to any relevant hope that they have left for their company. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's going to be uh, Impact Hard to Kill coming up this Saturday live on pay-per-view. I'll have the transcript for you guys on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. All right, boys and girls, let's get to what everybody's been waiting for, the moment that everybody's been waiting for. The greatest segment in all of pro wrestling podcasting in 2021 is widely known as What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? And we're going to start it off with the one and only Brother Carter in a 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW? What the hell is wrong with AEW? Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't even know where to begin this week. I'm going to be going and bouncing all over the map this week because once again, AEW puts on a god-awful television program. It's getting to the point where, you know, I, I, I watched AEW so that I can talk about it on this particular podcast, but it's getting tough. It's getting tough. Josh and I may have to come up with a... Way to inspire me to keep watching. I may have to start drinking while watching the show or something. I don't know. But, all right, let's get into it. Why does every match need to end with a post-match brawl? That happened in the Eddie Kingston Pack match. It happened in the Elite match, which we'll get into. Uh, there was one. Uh, there was a couple others that happened throughout the show. It's like, why do we have to end every segment with a brawl? It happened in the Britt Baker segment. Absolutely ridiculous. Why do we have to do that? Uh, like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. There's no variety. Why do we have to do that? Okay, I will say that Merrill looked a bit impressive in his match with with Chuck Taylor in the squash. Probably his best showing in an AEW ring. But what was the point in furthering the storyline? Was the also did I miss somewhere that Chuck Taylor was going to become Miro's butler if he lost the match? Like, did. Boy, AEW did a hell of a job promoting that. You know, did I miss something? And then he loses in a squash. There was no drama leading up to it. Like, how does that booking make any sense at all? That no direction in that storyline. It was god-awful, as most things that Miro does. Is Matt Hardy trying to be a heel all of a sudden? I've been watching some of his YouTube stuff, and it's kind of funny, but not really. Like, when did he suddenly flip the script and become a heel all of a sudden? He's supposed to be this mentor at a private party, and now he's going to be a heel. Uh, Absolutely, It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And then we get to the inner circle and their New Year's resolution segment. God, Jake Hager is boring as hell. All he can say is, championships, yeah! Is that it? What, what are you contributing to the conversation? Like, what the hell was that segment? So now we're arguing over who's going to become the tag team in the inner circle. Sammy Guevara calls Jericho a slut for some reason, a tag team slut, fine. Wardlow doesn't say anything. So we're going to have three of them split off into tag teams, and Wardlow's just kind of going to kind of just stand there. Jericho is boring. I don't care about him on the microphone at all. He's got awful. MJF was even lower a little. I thought the best talkers of that segment were Santana Ortiz. They were actually good. I like that. But the rest of them were 
terrible, including MJF, which is saying something. He's one of the best in AEW. Once again, MJF needs to get away from the inner circle if they're only bringing him down. Was I supposed to be entertained? Because I sure as hell wasn't. And now we get to the elite, or the uh, some amalgamation of the elite, because apparently the Good Brothers are now in the elite for some reason. I, I, I this has become the all. I think Cornette calls it the All Friends Club, and that's exactly what this has become now. And now we're going to get a power struggle between the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks, which is fine. But what we saw after the Good Brothers came out is you cut. And this is one of this. This I noticed this right away, and this completely sums up everything you need to know about all elite wrestling and Tony Khan. You cut to him standing with the Young Bucks, and Co- Tony Khan has the biggest grin from ear to ear because his fantasy booking, playing Booker with his daddy's money, being an internet wrestling mark, has finally come to fruition. And the very minute fan base who worships the ground that Tony Khan walks on has all come to light. But when that is gone in about two years and the money runs out, who's going to be laughing now? And what are we going to get next? Josh Matthews versus Justin Roberts in an announcer's brawl? Don't put it past these two moronic wrestling companies. Tony Schiavone trying to bury Impact Wrestling is as effective as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. He's like, oh, and now Kenny Omega is going to appear on that Impact. What's it called? Uh, Go Somewhere to Die or something? Like, that wasn't intimidating at all. It was awful. AEW working with Impact Wrestling has not brought Impact up It's brought AEW down, and that's saying something because AEW was in the toilet to begin with. Britt Baker may be the most wasted talent in all elite wrestling, really in all professional wrestling. Her segment, her talk show segment was freaking brutal. It was awful. Like, like she is being wasted. She says she's the face of the women's division, but she appears on television once every three weeks. Well, but we all know that AEW doesn't care about its women's division. Its champion wasn't even mentioned on television this week. So again, every everyone or all except women. Um, absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely effortless wrestling is what you have there with AEW. Uh, she needs to get the hell out of there and go to NXT as fast as she can. Another segment where you have to end with a brawl. Because apparently that's what happens in AEW. Like, is AEW trying to piss its fans off? Like, seriously, is their promotion just one giant rib on the wrestling industry? This can't be, like, people cannot actually think that this is good. And I know there's a small percentage of internet wrestling marks that do, but believe me, they are a very small percentage of the entire wrestling community. Their return on investment is not even remotely worth it. I'm convinced of this. And we get to the main event. What? Are, like, so, so what? So what's the deal with the rules in AEW? You know, like they, apparently they trapped Cage's legs in a belt for some stupid reason. Um, but we're, and I mean, Siobhan even said it, he's like, "That's illegal. Why is the ref allowing this? Because the rules don't matter in AEW." And exactly, what is Sting's purpose in AEW? I talked about this last week. Like he doesn't do it for me. He just kind of comes out, stands there for a bit, gets paid a ton of money, and leaves once again. Tony Khan playing Booker, trying to bring pay all of these people to get his own personalized wrestling company, which is going nowhere except down, 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 down. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW.
very much, Reddit Carter, for the submission as always this week. Good brother. You are the man. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Well, if we went back from what the hell is wrong with AEW to what the fuck is wrong with AEW this week. Boy, oh boy. Well, you've heard me use the phrase that Jim Cornette has uh, properly and justifiably used over the years uh, as outlaw mud show wrestling. And we got that in full effect last night on AW Dynamite. Now, let's go to the positives per ritual on my portion of the segment. So uh, we do have some balance here. I like the backstage segment with the Dark Order and Hangman Page. I thought that was pretty funny. like the match with Tainara Kate and Serena D for the NWA Women's, uh, um, NWA Women's World Championship. By the way, Kate has supreme waterfall and... Whoa, man. <laughs> that girl got waves for days. Uh, also like the um, main event, Brian Cage with Darby Allen for the TNT title. Now, let's get to the fun. And I I don't even know where to start. Because you look at this show from top to bottom, right? You look at... Um, start off the show with Pack versus Eddie Kingston. Okay, it's, it's a fine match. But the the ending in that match was so cold, so flat and empty, like so shallow. Like it was just like a simple okay, re- regular TV match, and then Pac just goes with the Black Girl. Like the, I, I hope Eddie's okay. Hopefully it was not an injury. But the conclusion of that match was just off to me. And also, I like Brody Carson. I don't understand. Why we must have these shitty post-match brawls before and after every match? Like I, I just don't get it. <laughs> I, I really don't. Also, what I don't get is the waiting room with Britt Baker and whatever the fuck that segment was with Cody Rhodes, uh, Red Velvet, Jay Cargill. I mean, I have nothing wrong. I, I have no problem with some brown sugar in my life, but my God, that segment was bad TV. Like, I love the double standards that a lot of you use towards AEW and when it comes to WWE because in that segment <laughs> and the Inner Circle's New Year's resolution bullshit <laughs> was on Raw or SmackDown this week, you guys would crucify it. But no, this segment gets a pass. This, this seg- These segments have layers and character development and blah, 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 blah. I'm a mark, I'm an angel, you mark. They do no wrong, they do no wrong. I can't take these segments seriously, and I can't take this show seriously, because it's a spit in my face when you tell me that AEW is supposed to broadcast serious sports-based wrestling. Jay Cargill, who we still don't know who is who, just punking out the executive vice president. He doesn't get a word out. We have a brawl with an AEW Dark performer, and we have all these AEW Dark towns trying to separate the two. And it's like, okay, are we are we sure this is good for CDC guidelines? Like, <laughs> um, it's just I don't know what the fuck that segment was. It was brutal. Speaking of brutal, I had to sit through 15-plus minutes of FTR against the Jurassic Express. No, not not Tarzan Boy and Dino Douche. We had Tarzan Boy and Stunted Growth. 
You mean to tell me you bring in X yards and have the serious tag team uh, tag team division, right? But they have a competitive 15 to almost 20 minute tag match on television where I had almost four paragraphs to type out of that match in itself. What in the blue vada belly hell was that? You mean XR looked like idiots? The fact that they had false finishes with stunted growth. Like, I get it that Daily Place is a wrestling zoo, but come on now. Oh, man. And I haven't mentioned this in a while, but here we go again with AEW making referees look like idiots. The the spots in the corner where we don't know who's the legal person and... Guys running into the match illegally, baby faces running into the ring illegally, like Jungle Boy doing spots when he's not the legal person in the match. It's just like, do rules apply to this company whatsoever? If there's no rules, why should we sit through the match? Everybody wants to talk about, oh, if we don't have a proper reason or a proper uh, detailed breakdown as to why storylines happen, why should we care about a match? If there's no rules in a wrestling match, why should I care about the match? Make everything a no DQ match if you're just going to break all the rules. This show just fucking sucked last night. Like, I'm watching this and I really want to enjoy the show, but it sucks. Oh, we have Kenny Olivier and the Good Brothers... Uh, beating up on the Varsity Blondes of Danny Limelight. I love Danny Limelight. He's my guy. Barik and Bruce, uh, uh, Bruce. I love that guy. He's the man. But I feel bad for him that he's just going to be on Dynamite for his first time and be ran through by Olivier and the Good Brothers. For what? <sighs> this show sucked. <laughs> Especially that inner circle New Year's resolution crap. I gotta tell you, man. By far, the inner circle is the worst wrestling faction I've ever seen in my life. I've gotten more entertainment out of 3MB than I have the inner circle. The inner circle are reaching the core territory. And that, my friends, is what the hell is wrong with AEW. Alright folks, we've reached our final leg of the podcast this week. I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to hang out with your boy today. As always, you can follow me at Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram at JoshyLopez94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E, Lopez94 on Instagram. Also check out at Josh Lopez Music. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Make sure to leave us a four or five star review slash rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps expand the reach of the show. The show comes to you free of charge every single week. Uh, so you don't have to pay anything for the podcast. We don't have a Patreon account or anything like that. This is a podcast just for you guys to enjoy for what it is. And with that all being said, um, we're about to wrap it up. I know in the coming in the coming weeks we'll be ready and uh, ready to predict the Royal Rumble. But also, uh, don't forget, man, I hope you guys enjoy Hard to Kill. I'll review that show next week. And uh, I got a couple of New Japan shows I got to get into in the coming week because the New Beginning Tour is starting on Sunday. So that should be some fun articles to type out. And, um, yeah, 
Uh, just keep your eyes locked on the Hoops Podcast and ProWrestlingTransfers.com, and I really do appreciate the support you guys give the podcast each week. You guys are awesome. Um, make sure to remember, folks, to be the authentic product that is yourself, and always remember you are dictating the pace of your life, nobody else. I love you guys. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Hope you guys enjoy Hard to Kill. And, um, this, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. So, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Um, this has been two, episode 240 of the Hoots Podcast, a.k.a. the Reverse 420, because I'm straight edge. Uh, this has been episode 240 of the Hoots Podcast. Right now, we're going to send it to Berta Carter for this week's edition of the Dots of Derrico. I'm Joshi. This has been the Hoots Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. I love you guys. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the segment that will never get traded in a blockbuster deal. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Let's get right into it, because we have a lot to talk about this week, and let's start with SmackDown, like we usually do. Another really good show from WWE this week. I mean, what can you say about the head of the table? He just continues every week to prove why he is... The top commodity in WWE, at least top two. You could interchange him and The Fiend uh, for top commodity in the company right now. But just absolutely unbelievable work with Adam Pearce and everything that went in with that. I love gauntlet matches whenever that gets to happen. Great action throughout the gauntlet match. Every competitor was fantastic. Mysterio, Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, King Corbin... Daniel Bryan, what an effort by Shinsuke Nakamura. Finally, I was like, yes, 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 yes. This is the Nakamura I was hoping for. And I was starting to get so excited when we got to the very end of it with Nakamura. I mean, he's finally getting a shot. I've been a Nakamura fan for years, as everybody who's listened to this show knows how much I love Shinsuke Nakamura. He's, I think he's the real deal and, and have thought so for a long time, that he is the complete package, great in the ring, very charismatic. When he had his positive entrance theme, it was one of the most over things in the entire company. And I thought maybe he's going to get his shot to lose to Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. But sure enough, Adam Pierce gets the win after um, you know some shenanigans and everything. But eventually, Adam Pierce, WWE official and former wrestler too, will get to face Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. And I don't know if that will stay. And if they'll switch things up to get Nakamura back in there or somebody else. I don't know. Maybe Kevin Owens. I don't know. But either way, very interesting storyline. And I'm very curious to see where they go with that. Definitely gives me reason to tune in next week. Good match with Big E and Apollo Crews. Um, again, Apollo Crews has been terrific. And uh, Big E doing some great work as Intercontinental Champion. I hope that they'll get to do some stuff. I don't know if he'll be Universal Champion in 2021, but he will definitely, Big E will definitely have a Universal title reign before his time in W, or WWE title reign before his time is over. New Tag Team Champions this week. New Tag Team Champions this week. You've got Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode are your new Tag Team Champions. Uh, fine, I guess. Uh, I was, I'd hope for, for more interesting storylines for the two of them than to be thrown together. It's, again, this is the pro, a good problem to have, I guess, but there's so much talent on the WWE roster that there's just no 
you know, you can't put, you can't do everything, you know, you can't, there isn't enough for everybody to do. I mean, you got Cesaro, Nakamura, uh, Dolph, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, who are all, who have been put together in these tag teams, could excel as single stars, no question, but, you know, we'll see what's going to happen with this, but congratulations, new tag team champions. I just don't know. I guess they're going to be with the Street Profits for a while because the Street Profits are a tag team. So I, I just don't know where this is going to go from here. Uh, and that worries me a little bit. But but we will see what happens with all of that. Switching gears to Raw. Uh, obviously, the big story to come out of the of Raw this week was Alexa Bliss making her return. Well, Triple H, of course, uh, due to the fact that Drew McIntyre had COVID-19, which is just an, an unfortunate thing. And, you know, I certainly wish Drew... Uh, speedy recovery. I had COVID nineteen back in July of twenty twenty, and can tell you it is a it is as nasty as everybody says it is. So I hope that that uh, Drew McIntyre is back and heals quickly and is ready to go for the Royal Rumble to defend his championship against Goldberg, which is going to be happening uh, again. I, I don't know how you build this if they're just going to show up and do it like they do with the Super Showdown events. I don't know. You know, I've said this before. I'm. I hope I'm wrong. Um, much like with staying in AEW, I hope I'm wrong. But I just have a feeling that this isn't going to go well. And I don't want that for Goldberg. I want that for Drew McIntyre. I just, I just don't want that. So I, I, I really am concerned uh, with with the direction that this is going to go. Now, hopefully, something comes out of it that's positive. But I'm just a very cautiously optimistic about that pairing. Now, that being said. Triple H uh, came in and had a little uh, a great promo with Orton, as they always do. And then they had a little street fight before Alexa Bliss returns and shoots a fireball in Randy Orton's face. Now, a lot of people are going to poo-poo on this. It's fine. They're, 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 one of the things with, you know, about Bray Wyatt's character is the, the element of, of um, sci-fi and, you know, that science fiction kind of thing. And, and that's, that's where they're going to go. That's what USA Network wants. Again, I, I I could take it or leave it. You know, uh, it, it it didn't bother me as much as it bothered some other people. It's fine. It wasn't my favorite, but it's fine. I'm always glad to see Alexa Bliss. Don't get me wrong. She's, I mean, yowie wowie. But um, I, you know, I'm just I'm just kind of indifferent to the whole thing, to be quite honest with you. And I don't know if that's good or bad. That that actually might be the worst thing is that if you're indifferent about a segment. So I just keep that in mind. Oh man, Slick Rick, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Slick Rick coming back, costing Charlotte for the second week in a row, teasing that Lacey Evans is going to get to ride Space Mountain. <laughs> I love it. I love Ric Flair. I love the Flair family. Charlotte Flair is the goat of women's wrestling. I love it. I, I You can never get enough of Slick Rick doing his thing. I thought that was absolutely great. Interesting with Jason Riker and Jeff Hardy and Elias. I don't know where they're going to go with that, but I'm intrigued. Um, by that, Max, and, I, and I'm intrigued with Jason Riker trying to get some, or Jackson Riker, excuse me, trying to get some more. I mean, I, he was he did a good job uh, when he was with um, the organization before him. Um, the uh, and their name is blanking me right now. Everybody knows uh, the Forgotten Sons. Thank you, the Forgotten Sons. Um, so I'm glad he's getting an opportunity to shine to get to work with Jeff Hardy and Elias. Uh, we'll see what happens with all that. And I enjoyed that very much. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay. Keith Lee, Sheamus, uh, Miz, and John Morrison. So Keith, Keith Lee and Sheamus get the win over the Miz and John Morrison. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen 
Um, with Miz and Morrison going forward, I don't know if they're going to eventually put a title on the Miz. Maybe it's just because they don't have something for him to do. I don't know. But I hope that Miz and Morrison get a chance to shine in 2021 as single stars as well. And then we get another great match between Keith Lee and Sheamus. Good show of respect at the end of the match. I like that. I know we're all still waiting for the other uh, shoe to drop and Sheamus to turn heel somewhere along the way. Don't know if it's going to be against McIntyre. Don't know if it's going to be against Keith Lee. But they had another good match as well. Um, let's see. What else do I want to talk about this week with Raw? Uh, very curious to see what they do with Bobby Lashley and Riddle for uh, the U.S. title. I think they're going to go at it again in um, at the Royal Rumble for the U.S. title. And also, there was an interesting segment on Raw Talk this week with R-Truth and Bobby Lashley. So maybe MVP is, is going to do something with the 24-7 championship, or they're going to try to make that a legitimate championship. Or maybe R-Truth is going to go for the U.S. title. I don't know. But there's a lot of interesting interweaving of, of, of storylines here. MVP, Matt Riddle, well, the Hurt Business in general, Matt Riddle, R-Truth. Very curious to see where they go with all that stuff. And I am uh, intrigued by that uh, for sure. Uh, and let's see what else. And AJ Styles and Drew Lack had another fantastic match, uh, or had a fantastic match. Uh, AJ Styles, one of the best of all time, and Drew Gulak can go, um, uh, when they can do that. So good stuff on Raw this week. I really enjoyed it. I'll say just a couple brief things about the things I enjoyed about AEW this week. Great match to open the show. Eddie Kingston and Pac are outstanding athletes. I hope they get to do more in the future because they are absolutely fantastic. Um, Taz is the best part of AEW right now. I mean, his promos every week, what he's been doing over the last month or so has been outstanding. Um, Taz considers to show, uh, show why he's one of the best. I love what he's doing. I love team Taz. Everything about team Taz is great. So really, I, I love that storyline. He's the best part about AEW right now. I ha- I hate, I hate, I hate to admit this, but the Kenny Omega entrance is growing on me. And I think Kenny Omega is the most overrated talent in the history of professional wrestling. I don't think he's great at all. But his entrance is funny. It's starting to get a little bit funnier, and they're rolling with it. So I will say that. I also will say Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy had a couple of moments where I was like, okay, this isn't bad. I can work with this. I can work with this. I'm not generally not a huge fan of Marco Stunt, uh, and jo- we all know Josh's feelings on Marco Stunt. But I love Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Him and him and Marco Stunt did have a couple moments where I was like, okay, that's not too bad. And those are the thoughts of Derrico this week. My final thoughts continue to uh, just a couple things. One, very curious to see what happens with James Harden in Brooklyn. I also think that could be a recipe for disaster, and Brooklyn is taking a major risk. If they don't at least make it to the NBA Finals this year, then it was all for nothing, and the Brooklyn Nets will set themselves back 20 years. They're taking a major risk. Also, folks, continue to wear your mask. Continue to be kind to each other. There is light ahead, and I cannot wait um, for everything to get back to normal, and I know you can't either. Hang in there, guys. Love each other. Wear your mask, and we'll see you all soon. God bless. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.